Hello, everyone. It's time for that episode, y'all. Star Wars New Canon Book Cub. Uh, Cub? Baby bears. Reading Star Wars books. Loving them. They prefer the Legends universe, but they're bears, so who cares? Speaking of bears, Alex Fasciani is here. Hey, what's up? Speaking (laughs) of... Uh, what's like, uh, what's like the cute bear called? A cutie bear? Cute Koala bear? Honey bears? bears? Like a panda? Bear? Honey bears. <laughs> Davis Pan- is here. Hi. Panda from the TV show Watchmen is here. <laughs> and, uh, Jesse, me, me, I'm here. Uh, hey, hey man. this episode, can I just say, after the last ones, uh, I, I realized some things. One. They suck. Davis still, Davis still loves Star Wars. Davis still, Davis messaged us. And I guess he was the first one to watch this episode. And I was like, oh, no. Does he hate this? And you blew my mind. Because you sat through me just off the cuff firing, uh, like, my hatred, I thought that I owed it. Like, Like, I have to be, I can't just be bad Yelp review guy. I gotta, like, also be good Yelp review guy. But I realized. (laughs) Just a good writer, yeah. I realized, like, my reactions in the beginning are on, like, because of what I was saying, you you didn't you could have gone either way. I guess. <laughs> True. Yeah. Go back, look at your text. I was like, oh no. I I'm so happy when you were like, I loved it. Best episode yet. All right, Mandalorian. I, I, I legitimately think this is the best episode of the Mandalorian, and it's the best episode that follows the like adventure story, like adventure uh, like formula of the like each each episode a new planet, a new cast, a new like little mini arc in the other one. And um, yeah, this will be the episode that for the rest of the show, I'll be like, okay, they have done it. This is how you do it. All the other ones can learn a lot from this episode. You know why I like this take? No, like this take specifically is because we're not even like a lot of the time this season, we've been talking about what are we waiting on? Come on, come on, come on. And and we're at this point where somebody made an episode. It was Rick Famuyiwa, by the way. He wrote and directed this episode. My dude Rick Famuyiwa loves 70s, 80s, and 90s movies where a middle-aged guy is the action hero. Because there are, like, the first half of this movie is Sorcerer, like, to a T, exploding trucks, super good. The second half of this episode is, like, every espionage movie ever made. It was super good. Night King was popping off. Joe Chill popping off but we don't even get a sliver of advancement of the plot and nobody cares and that to me was the best thing about this episode the crowning achievement i don't know if this goes to show that bill burr is very good at being bill like <laughs> bill burr or if he's got like next level acting chops whatever the case may be davis i know you've said this many times on this show that when people get into this world, they sometimes say things that it doesn't sound like they know what they're saying. Bill oh Burr, my God, yeah. the entire time, I was like, I not only believe that he was in Operation Cinder, I not only believe everything he's talking <laughs> about, when everything, I was like, holy crap, he is in it. And this is from a guy who I recall a while ago being like, Star Wars is stupid. So I'm like, you know, yeah. I, I can't, I was watching it the entire time. I was like, I think... Bill Burr might be a an excellent actor, like a very good actor. If I if I was like, hey, uh, John Favreau, let me be in the Mandalorian, and he was like, here is the character that you're going to be playing. His name is Mayfeld. I would be like, oh, 
like I would dedicate my like I would dedicate my life to such an opportunity. You know what I mean? Like it's so cool of a thing that he is. And like he he convinced me. I thought it was going to be such a far-fetched thing with the with the whole like who is this guy? I don't recognize this guy like routine with the superior officer. That's uh the Night King by the way. That's why I said that. He's yes. uh yeah. another great character actor. He killed uh-huh. uh Martha and yeah, Jonathan Joe Chill himself. Uh, or Thomas Wayne, sorry. And uh he, looks like he also Evil was Steve in McQueen. He was also in the Doom movie. Oh, sick. Yeah. I watched that movie 3 times in a row in German just cuz <laughs> nobody wanted to talk to me one time. I was in Germany. I was in Germany like a bummer, you know, I'm sorry. For context. No, it's okay. I feel like there's better stuff to do there, but but that whole scene, the the whole I the, uh, from the moment they walked in, that was like th- yeah, everything about this episode Bill Burr sold every moment about what this mission was and why it was important. And the other characters were, I mean, like, all right. And they, they, I, I don't know. I just was really impressed and I can't even express that how shocked I was. He elevated, I was like, Damn! he elevated, uh, Mando to like a higher level. Granted, we didn't, he didn't have his mask on in this episode. So like he had that. You see him emote and do things, yeah, yeah. but he elevated uh, Mando's yeah. performance. You know, Gina Carano is usually pretty wooden and like, she fit right in. I mean, I, I, I have. I think that in an episode where like everybody else is a really good actor, she like especially sticks out for her like wooden performance. But yeah, but she wasn't like fucking be, up. You know what I mean? No, but yeah. like the because the average acting is so good that like we're all fine here. Now, how are you? Like it's all we're all good. Like th- this episode is like great. Even even with her like kind of like I only have the tough girl thing down. Best line of the episode was, uh, let's just say they might recognize my face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a funny line. I'm also like, I don't know that that's a bad thing. Like there wasn't a famous like event where all the clones stopped being stormtroopers. Like wouldn't actually, wouldn't he be the, I was literally like, wouldn't you be the perfect person? Like, nobody would question it at all. Everyone is used to seeing it. It would be like running into Santa Claus, like, in his, like, Hawaiian outfit that he's on, on, on like, post <laughs> I feel like that's the vibe that it would be. I do have a question about the faces, though. Uh, obviously, it was designed for one specific moment. But the fact that there was a lot of facial recognition talk about that whole scene about who could sneak in. And then they had to scan their faces. But, like... It wasn't connected to the facial recognition. It was just a scan to allow them to access a thing. I thought was like, all right, I'll let it slide because I'm enjoying this episode. But that is weird. For me, I and I'm normally the person that like, this is the, you know, these are the kind of minutiae things. But this one for me is like not hard to explain away. First of all, there's tons of those things where you're like, I'm not a human when you like enter passwords or do other stuff. So I kind of envisioned it as that. It's also kind of hilarious and headcanon that like we've talked about it a lot. The greatest enemy to the empire was like a droid with a USB stick. And Dude, so the idea that you yeah. the idea that you have to be a human to log in after having like basically the entire empire being taken down by like R2 just jacking into important things and like doing stuff A is like fun headcanon, but also it just tracks they're they're the remnant of the empire in disarray. The only things they have are people of interest that can't access it. Like that, that makes sense. And if you're recruiting new people all of the time, you will have literally new faces. So it doesn't like the idea that you, it only scans 
for people that like are enemies of the empire to me doesn't like I didn't actually have to like make this one make a lot of like oh i'm just I, I, I got i'm just it. curious if he's in a database now which would be fascinating for a future that's story. what i like is that now they have his face so when he like when he starts to not wear his helmet in like the next season because he like actually kind of like they've, they've sort of pushed forward that he's gonna have to like grapple with the hypocrisy of not just like with mandalorians in general but then also his specific sect of mandalorians now they know what he looks like i think it just doesn't like to go along with the nitpick of like the the scanner on the one hand moff gideon is like i know you didn't jaren i know you so well right like so like i would never like like i would have i would have counted mando out at the scene where they were all like we're wanted we can't go in you know what i mean but other than that i don't really care about it because as i say all the time like it's just all a vessel for us to like enjoy a fun adventure story. If you can just sort of like half logic it so that you get the jump, like the the vibe of it, I feel like it's 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 serviceable and it it got his helmet off and I was much more interested in just like finding out what was going to happen with his helmet off and the payoff of how Mayfeld handled it was like so delicious that I never thought about the scanner again. This is this is one of those ones where even if it were, which I just don't think it is, like a problem. This is one where even I'm like, the, it was in service of such a strong character moment. This is like, and I guess if we're gonna go through it bit by bit, we can talk about it more. But since we're on this issue, this is a this was a much more impactful helmet taking off than in the first season. Then it was him taking his helmet off because he had a brain injury and was gonna die. This is him choosing to do it to save like a new obligation or a new thing that he loves. So the the moment is so powerful that even if it was a bit of a like logical leap or an inconsistency, it would be worth it. And even me, the guy that is all about inconsistencies would still be worth it. But also on top of it, it's not really an inconsistency at all. I will say that um, you are very much this episode explaining how I felt about the last two, where anything that was inconsistent or seemed off because I enjoyed the things I could overlook stuff. And I think that's a thing with this episode. There's a, there's some things where it's like, like, where do these pirates come from? Who are these pirates? Why are they right? But like, screw it. I enjoyed watching them die. Like yeah. that kind of thing. It's all, it's all made up. Yeah. The, the pirates they're I think the implication is they're the, the native people they're trying to, they're not like, they're like get the they're like get the fuck out of here. They're like don't. Well, what 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 is awesome about this episode, among many other things, is there's a lot of talk about subverting expectations. People lauded the Last Jedi for subverting expectations. I think that it didn't at all. This episode is like to me the first successful way that you've ever like subverted Star Wars in a meaningful way. This entire thing had like the what you normally assume is like the heroes doing a thing. And then being saved in the end by the good guys. And this time, the good guys were the bad guys. Like, the people that were attacking them were people trying to get the Empire off their freaking planet. They're trying to destroy their evil Rhydonium stuff. And, like, in the climax of it, when you think our, like, bad guys, or the who are the good guys, are about to die, 
the fucking cavalry comes and it's TIE fighters and you're cheering for TIE fighters and then you go into the Imperial base and it's like the end of A New Hope when they get out after destroying and like the mining guy with the silver helmet is like patting him on the shoulders like it's a complete subversion of like normally the good guys win and like all this other stuff it's like so cool yeah Famuyua like echoes that theme in like every element of this episode like the thing that the thing that Mayfeld says to him in the truck of like everybody you know is the same like we all just like make exceptions when it benefits us etc etc yeah Every at every turn, like the the episode confronts you with that, and it's just it's it's simple. It's like I, that's why I like it. It's just it's just a straightforward adventure story with a simple little like lesson, and it like executes it. If it was the first Star Wars thing I ever seen. I would have loved it. But the payoff to all of that is the idea that after all that subversion, when we actually sit down with the Imperial officer and we get to have that moment with. Um, Mayfield and that guy where, where it's basically like this weapon's going to be used for something terrible and we're going to do some bad stuff and it's going to be just like Operation Cinder and you know Mayfield's like ten, five to ten thousand of our own people died and it's that it goes back to the conversation in the car like everything about this episode was so well put together that even moments before when everyone's like yeah you realize like Oh, no, these are still terrible people, even though you're right, Davis, you root for the TIE fighter in that moment. It's it's a great episode. It's wild. But I, at that, that point I started, though, which became about subversion to, to address what you're saying. I don't that's not I don't think it's an inconsistent like the pirates. They give you way enough context clues to understand who the pirates. Yeah, it's not I mean, it's not a question of who they are. It doesn't matter. Like, it's just it's just right, like right. that's the whole point is that like. He tell he straight up tells you he's like these people just don't want us here they see us as invaders you know what I mean like he just straight up lays it out but like because they are in your way you need them defeated you know that's it but uh, I just wanted to shout out to that guy uh, who plays the Night King and Joe Chill I wish I knew his name I just recognized him dead ass because I've seen the Dark Knight uh, trilogy so many times Richard Brake is his yeah, name that guy that's a great name somehow he was still the best actor in the episode. And I swear to God, like the scene, the scene with him and Mayfeld talking where you kind of like when somebody espouses their philosophy uh, in a especially in a story like this, like an adventure story at the beginning of the story, they're either about to die or you're about to learn everything about them. Yeah. And in, in this one, it was you learn everything about Mayfeld and he doesn't even really imply like the rest of the story because it's so beautiful that he is like pretending to still be an imperial officer because you know this is the reason why he left right like this is absolutely you know, this is right and so the way that he like you know does a quick shift from like cool cucumber to like blasting this dude's chest open like you know i just thought that was a really beautiful way of introducing that little bit of character work that you know ultimately isn't going to matter to the story in a in a like straightforward way maybe as much as like what's going on with baby yoda but you know now mayfeld you know, is that much bigger of a character. Yeah. It's so compelling and well done. And like another point of reference for like why it's like, if you look at how they did Cobb Vanth separate of separate from like how he was in the books, like my gripes with that, he just sat down and just like said out loud his backstory here at the beginning of the episode, you have all of this dialogue, all of this dialogue between him and Mando that you think is loaded towards Mando, but it's actually 
actually secretly telling you everything about Mayfeld and you don't even you don't even yeah. know it until he says that stuff at the end and then you realize he wasn't just talking to Mando about the Mando he's musing on his own thing and it's like when you hit that you're like oh my god you Rick is like a fucking master of right like he just like gets how you do like backstory and exposition in a way that like fits into it completely naturally it's all in service to the theme you know what i mean like that's like like you know we were talking about uh like the the uh what's the the jedi episode versus the the tragedy episode and how they both really like executed on like style points you know what i mean like you get some sick Boba Fett like moves. You get some sick Ahsoka like stuff, and and on the Ahsoka one, you get also like a justification for that sort of like entire pastiche as like one unified message because the episode tells like a story about something. But the 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 Boba Fett episode, uh, in the same way, you know, people were really hot on both episodes. We're like, I love both of these, and actually, same thing with the Bo-Katan episode too, where. There's a lot of sweet shit in there, and that's good, but without that sort of, like, overarching sort of, like, bow tie on it, it doesn't really feel like I watched something complete yet. And so that's the same thing. Like, the tragedy doesn't feel complete. The Bo-Katan episode, you're, it's banking on the fact that you're excited about Bo-Katan being there rather than telling you, like, a little tight bow story. But in this one, they really, like, because they let that sort of, like, plotty stuff take a backseat for a second to tell a very straightforward plot based story you get all this you get all these chances to have these great things and it's a throwback you know again to all those great movies like sorcerer and uh i mean i don't know like all those 70s uh the fugitive from the 90s like i, I don't know like movies that look like that and feel like that the pre-cg vibe the whole of the effort as one thing like came through and that's just a credit to like rick famuyiwa straight the fuck up yeah and and like logically airtight i don't know like the the way all of the stuff that like happens they they like establish clear rules for the rhydonium that plays multiple important parts in the episode the action like all tracks i've talked about how like all right if the show is going to just sort of like be homages then at least it needs to like do them well and add their own spin on it. And this, this is like, one was maybe the biggest homage of all, but still but, but also this is the best. this also did that the best. Like whether you think it's an homage to Mad Max or simply, I thought like the the sequence is like any train robbery in a western or any coach robbery action scene. But they made it Mando, where they we for the first time saw Mando not in his armor, and they had like actual danger. They show his like shitty stormtrooper armor getting shattered and he didn't have his gun and he had to like fight and that added a bunch of other stakes on top of it why do i love the armor getting shattered so much it what looks is neat it's neat to watch it explode because he's been invincible forever and for the first time and it's great because his whole arc he is like usually the cock of the walk and he's in like ill-fitting armor that sucks and then when he's helmets off he does not know. He's like out of his talky element here. And he's like just completely. Yeah, it's the same vibe he has amongst the other Mandos earlier where he's just like, my lunch, I'm alone. That's why I'm like, this is this. This hits all of the things that I've always wanted and thought that this 
could be. And I like, I don't think that it's like a simple ish story, but it's very, very well told. And it's got what the best Star Wars has, which is everything. There's like drama, there's comedy, there's really thrilling like action. It's got all the moments. Like, this is another one of those just like great pieces of Star Wars content where all of the best that Star Wars has to offer, except there's no Jedi in it, I guess, but like, you know, like this, this 36 minutes, which is crazy how not fast, like how not rushed. When they're on the bridge, it's halfway through the episode. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. I can't believe this. I can't believe this has only been 20 minutes. And then when you look at other like 30 minute episodes, you're just like, how are these the same time length? But this somehow feels like I'm getting something so substantial. It was almost like two scenes, almost. Like it was so clean. Yeah. The problem with in past episodes, they'll be like, you know, all right, we're going to go do this thing. And they kind of like just jump through it. But here, Rick uses every opportunity. No part of this animal carcass goes to waste. Like when they jump on top and like it could have just been like Kara punches the guys. Oh, they're on the road like now. But instead they have a whole scene while they're like armoring up and getting ready. And it's just a bunch of fucking great character work. Like, you know, some fun zippy lines, but all of them are like, we're getting to like be in their shoes a little bit. They're even like ragging on Mando for him looking dumb. But like, I don't know about you guys, but the Sands Trooper armor painted black is like six. So they're like, you look dumb. And I'm like, he looks fucking cool. Um, <laughs> but like everything is like great. I don't know. Like they they use interstitial moments that normally would get skipped in previous episodes to go to the next popcorn moment to do great character work. And it's what makes the exciting moments actually like have weight and impact because you genuinely care. Mayfeld is like officially to me, one of the like best, obviously one of the best characters of new star Wars, but like just a immediately great star Wars character. He like has so much to him, so much substance, so much like grounds, so much like I missed his uh, little magic gun this time around. Oh, his little, little poppy <laughs> things. Yeah. This more than like any of the sequels, you like get an idea about like Honestly, like the the shape of the Empire and post or like and the state of the galaxy post Return of the Jedi, like the way that they're describing stuff. It's just like this is a, it's just it's just it succeeds to me on all fronts. It truly is exceptional and it's awesome. Going back to Mayfield and the uh, character work that you were talking about and just describing the Empire. There are two moments in this episode that I love that are. They're not small, but again, it's like one of those moments where I was like, is Bill Burr a genuinely phenomenal actor? The And, and it's the bookends of the episode. At the beginning, when he's found on the like badass looking kind of prison uh, scrapyard. Which is like, by the way, beautiful. Like it, A, kind of anyone else getting like la fall in order? <laughs> opening I literally vibes. was about yes, to say yes. that. I was literally about to say that. But it shows you. I like I don't know it's it's another like interesting kind of like how we talked about in the prison ship episode which is also directed by Rick. They still have those like New Republic droids, but it's kind of like a nice prison sentence because like I don't know, the prisoners like feel safe enough to talk back to the guards, which you don't get in any other like I feel like any other sort of prison setup. Yeah, most jails period, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> but it but it also I, like it also I think like speaks to a lot of the empire people or retired people are like the new republic like you know they have no teeth 
Mon Mothma wants to like get rid of the like army and this kind of like stuff helps to see it where you're like basically these like war criminals are like it's pretty pretty easy work but it also is nice that they're literally cleaning up like the scraps of the empire too that's like cute and poetic too in a fun way sorry you were you you had a point Jesse I just like totally hijacked uh, I, what I loved about that scene was that at the it goes to sort of how imperials think and that when Cara Dune shows up and is like, hey, come with me, Bill Burr's character, Mayfield's just like, uh, why? What? What are we doing? And you immediately get, he thinks like, I'm about to be killed in some terrible way. And at the end, at the end when they're like, yeah, no, he died. And he's like, what? Again, I think the Imperial side of him is like, if this is an Imperial thing, they would have been like, yeah, no, he died and then killed him. Yeah. And so when he walks away and he's kind of like, oh, okay. I love that. It's just like a little small thing that both times where he's the good guys are like, hey, come join us. We need you for a thing. Or, hey, time to go. We're going to let you go because we're good. We, we, you know, we value you as a person. Uh, he's confused by it and is like, are you going to kill me? I think that's such a great moment as a character. And it does go show you the difference between the empire and the public and, and who they are as organizations. And I think Absolutely. it's phenomenal. There's even, there's even that like super cute moment too, where he's like, wait, are you guys serious? And Mando literally just like, nods his head like get the hell out like get out of here dude and he's like he gets like child giddy smile yeah i think i thought it was so good i couldn't believe that that was bill burr just like nailing it every moment i was so blown again i'm not like i don't follow bill burr's work tremendously every once in a while i'll see like a video on the internet but uh i had no clue he was as talented as he is yeah and i mean i think this is a great time to talk about this just because it happens to be an episode where we're all pretty, you know, positive on the episode. Like, you know, the fact that we can be here in this time in Star Wars, you know, with such diverging sort of like tastes uh, for what good Star Wars is, you know, just goes to show, uh, you know, furthering our sort of thesis that there is good Star Wars out there. I think it's it things that matter are like looking at the format that you're in, writing something that, you know, number one, like works in that format. Look at the style of what you're making, you know, because the style being unified really like makes an impression, you know, that is almost unquantifiable for somebody who's not articulate about like why they like something, you know, like the general public who's not like directly asked to write an essay about it or whatever. I feel like just those two things, looking at the format and and making something that's going to be primarily a successful one of those, like AKA writing a good episode of clean television. We didn't need to fit in answers to questions that the audience is coming into it with. We just need to explain what's on the screen and we need to just do it in a way that everybody's along for the ride. And then we just have to give them a good ride. And that's really all we're looking for, you know? And I think even like, I, you know, I'm going to reach across the aisle to Davis here. I'm going to say, I think he can, I think he can agree with me. You know what I mean? Like what characters do what, all that stuff. That's a, that's, you know, a legitimate concern. But it's not on the same level of like, step one, do a good fucking job at like being a creative creator. You know what I mean? Like, let that be, let that be the main thing. After I watched or experienced the thing that you've made, I shouldn't be sitting there like, why did we make like a book about the like five years before Rogue One? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> like stuff like that. Like, what, what is that? I, I should never have to wonder that at the end. Like, why is this? Who is this for? 
Yeah, like chapter what 15 of The Mandalorian is part of a story. There are characters that we know. But because it lands on like life is complicated and everybody is kind of the same, you know, it's just about how much stress you're under and what you do. Because it, it has that, it, it sails through on, you know, it beats the Alex test. It beats the Jesse test. It beats the Davis test. And I don't think that's an accident. I, I did want to run a thing by you guys that I, I, I've just been thinking about this and I'm sure you have thoughts. I, for some reason, I think that Star Wars, uh, television is plagued by the way Clone Wars was told, right? Clone Wars had the like, Previously, a thing happened to war, like like an old newsreel. Well, isn't that like a like a war serial? Yeah, it was almost like a non-linear like a, show. It was, it was like almost a, like well, it was a stylistic choice, right? Yeah, right. And so every episode, you know, most of the episodes were what you would expect in like the March of War, where like a battle happened, there were a few character moments, and then they moved on. There were very few episodes that were huge into story, especially the beginning of Clone Wars, right? And every once in a while, that way of storytelling creeps into everything else they do. So in Rebels, the best Rebel episodes are the ones where they're not giving you the Clone Wars format, right? They're, it's a different version of storytelling. And I think in this show, every once in a while, they kind of slip back into that form of storytelling where the episode is... Exposition time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Wikipedia it's, article time. The problem, like, so far with, like, comparing, and I think in a year or two we'll have a much bigger sample size. The problem is the guy, TV, Star Wars, has been a Dave Filoni joint in every version so far. And, like, this this was, like, a Rick, I mean, I'm sure they all have some oversight into some stuff, but, like, this is a good example of, like, a, a different storyteller telling, us like, maybe I would call it an adult storyteller, like, telling a story. And so, like, I think that you're saying, like, the things that are successful don't fall back on the old tropes. But the big problem is that it's the same head guy on all of those things so far, which is why it's been but that I mean, way. Look at look at like Rogue One. You know what I mean? Rogue One makes an impression because you can tell that there wasn't a lot of like uh, it was early in the in the like experiment of other Star Wars shit. And you can feel that nobody really cared what happens in that movie. Like they didn't try and tie it to a bunch of shit there's a couple episodes here and there of shows that like had a character but rogue one got away with being like a very pure sort of straightforward vision of like something different for star wars to do whereas you know by the time the next movie comes out uh that's not a numbered movie i feel you know i feel like whatever you feel it did, about like tie in to a new hope like the, it, its whole existence sort of like i mean it did but we weren't nobody was like i hope they like explain Captain Antilles, because like you know, it didn't pay. It wasn't like Bo-Katan showing up. It was just like, of course, that's where it leads. But like, right? Like the like, people, the people that were in it are people that would be in like the people that that should be there. I'm not saying that like Bo-Katan necessarily shouldn't be there, but the fact that 20 years later she looks the she's same just talking and is about doing the, Clone Wars, yeah. the exact same thing that is a problem. It's not. It doesn't feel as like real. Yeah, it's not clean. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, I think even by the next movie, right? The guys that made the original movie got fired for having too many of their own ideas. You know what I mean? The, but there's also, a, uh, just thinking about Rogue One versus Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever, the time difference is important too. Because when you look at Rogue One, at the end of the day, it's not like real in-depth storytelling. It's moving from scene to scene to scene it very quickly. It doesn't need to be, yeah. But at the, yeah, but at the end of the day... 
it was everything I've ever wanted from a Star Wars movie in a like in a long time. There was not a Jedi to be seen. I was so thrilled. It was. It was. I, I don't mind Jedi if it like is justified, but it rarely is. That's exactly the problem. And everything, but but the difference is like the TV show version. They try to do the same thing Rogue One did, but they only have thirty minutes to do it, and so you don't even get enough character moments to justify the not character moments. If but that here, makes any but sense. But here, I feel like I feel like they sort of like walk the line perfectly, right? Oh, in they this only episode, focus, it was fun. They nailed it. They only it, yeah. focus on two people, so it, it doesn't really like. Ma- yeah, I loved that. Well, and because like a lot of times it's like all a plot, and there's like kind of a reason why in a lot of shows you have multiple plot lines happening at once. But this is like. All a plot, but like they fleshed it out into yeah, a. Yeah, and it's it's more like a, a like action sequence that has talking somehow. Like it's crazy. Yeah, like the like the, even the talking is like choreographed more than it is like exposition really for anything other than a character moment for for uh, Mayfeld. Yeah, but it's all completely organic. And the end scene with uh, Gideon where he sees the hologram of the Mandalorian. This is a great example of how you actually do callback dialogue that actually has meaning. Like him taking his own words and throwing them, Gideon's own words and throwing them back at him, especially because he actually, the the kid does mean more to him and he has grown, is so much more natural and impactful than saying something like, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the galaxy like my father before me, which doesn't mean anything to any of the characters in that scene, it just is a wink and a nod to the audience, which is like what I hate about new Star Wars. C-3PO looking into the camera and saying, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same shit. And they've, they've like done it better this season. Like Mithril, which I guess you were right, Jesse. Horatio Sands, he doesn't have a name. That's his alien race. They don't actually have a name for him. They just call him by his alien I race. I love that. Like yeah. Weequay. That's weird. But anyways, that's it's like racist. But, you know what but I mean? we talked about like in the first in the first episode, he's just like acting like, hey, I'm a guy that I, I, that's in Star Wars. That doesn't sound like I belong in Star Wars. Like I'm, I'm saying like Life Day and I'm making references that don't really make a lot of sense. They make more sense to the audience that like they're telling kind of like Bill Burr's in his first episode where he's like, what are you, a Gungan under there? Misa? And you're like, that doesn't mean anything or make any sense in in the universe. That's I'm just, from the planet Bostan. That's just a nod to the audience. <laughs> Whereas in here, all of his jokes actually made sense. His jokes were like just like roasts on other people's philosophies, which was so good. All of his like humor in this episode actually worked in universe. Which is a good thing. Same thing how they yes, like, they yes. fixed that. They fixed that with uh, Horatio Sanz's character too in the in the third episode. It's very much the calf argument, but just about jokes. Yes, I think it's a little different, but it's because it's because we've seen Star Wars and they haven't, which is like exceedingly frustrating. But we've had coffee and they haven't, so it's the same deal, right? Uh, but, the <laughs> idea, but the idea of like drinking, you know, a warm calf, calling it calf is what kills it. If you just like yeah, had that's a exactly different right. thing, you're right. You're absolutely I, like, just don't call it calf. I'm on board. Don't call this. it calf. You get it. Yeah. We love this. History is made. I was, I got to be honest with you though. I was going to say that as much as I agree that it's a better use of the dialogue, I felt like it was kind of a weird use of the dialogue. Like I didn't really feel like Mando. I can't imagine him being like, Fett, pull up that message, write this down. I want to roast this motherfucker so goddamn hard. Like I, I just, I just, I just don't see 
Din Jaren the Mando like having that idea and like doing like a TikTok roast on on Gideon that way. I, I guess, except like I mean, doing it exactly the way you said it. it sure, but it it had like a very taken like Liam yeah, Neeson no, vibe got, to it. I got the like threat element. Just the, the the fact that he said the line, I was like, okay, man. I was like, okay, man. No. While while we're talking about this fictional universe where like you had to picture that because that's a, that is a legitimate thing. You also have to picture that when he went to Boba Fett to be like, call it up. Boba Fett was busy with his like Warhammer miniature paint, meticulously repainting his armor between the last episode and now because y'all noticed that he had like squeaky clean, perfectly repainted armor, right? I mean, if I mean, I, it, I mean, <laughs> kind of looked like someone spray painting a car, but yeah, if, I get I, it. I, no, 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 no. The detail work, like, look at that. When he turns around and there's like beautiful red lines, like wire work you in there. Tell him, you can tell he missed that shit. You, he yeah, missed that. Yeah, the man loves his armor. It was his dad's armor. Look at the original trilogy. His armor was like scuffed and effed up. It being perfectly clean is a little bit wonky. However, I'm willing to accept that it was like fucked up after the Sarlacc pit. So I could understand him wanting to touch it up that's like that's a, that's a legit fair thing but i also like to just like imagine on the ship literally he just has like his little little like paint model set like yeah i just like imagine like Foot him pump. meticulously i don't know like fucking churchill like painted flowers like i don't know like weird like warriors like build model ships like you know it's just kind of like funny like while you were imagining this funny mandalorian scene of like i got this roast here pull it up i'm yeah. just also imagining like weird old boba fett who's like what i gotta like kill the time you know i'm i, I paint i'm a painter what do you want this is how i forget all my mace window cutting off my dad's head also a natural reference <laughs> him using the six sonic grenade that like wasn't weird and forced. I didn't. I didn't ask for it. I didn't expect it. I loved it. It was just beautifully organic and made sense. And those are the kind of decisions that I like and that I like think should be applauded when they happen. I get it. That was a uh, great. It was a great episode. I made a bunch of random notes, but I can't really read them. Hit us. Hit us with these notes. Uh, or to talk about. That. I want. I want Happy Davis. We're like, and I like this too. And I also like that thing. I mean, we, like we've talked about, like basically in broad strokes, kind of all of the like scene work. The opening scene is like genius because it like shows you what like a, a new Republic prison. And we went over all that stuff, like every other scene where they're kind of going through stuff and not just rushing to the action or the oh shit gif moment, but instead doing like re upon rewatching again, the fucking the scene when I was watching it the first time, him calling out mando and like trying to talk about like what what are the rules like a helmet no helmet or you just have to cover your face like because there is a difference and then like the mandalorians aren't any better than the imperials like what do you, you think people that you guys killed in wars all had a choice like i was like yes yes queen like call him out and then on second time i'm like oh my gosh you're also not just calling him out you're also giving us all of this like he is extra background yeah. like you are the same guy too Oh my god, it's like so good that it's like refreshing on rewatch. Um, the action scene was great because of the we were talking about this because of the stakes and it's a simple setup. You just gotta like dr drive a thing at like a and kind of like, dude, have you seen the movie Sorcerer? I've not seen Sorcerer. It's literally a bunch of prisoners that like on a dead end. They're like, 
We need prisoners to do this job because it's too fucking dangerous. And they're the only guys that can drive trucks. We got three trucks that you got to drive through the jungle and they explode if anything happens. There's natives. Be careful. Watch out for this bridge. That's like the plot of Sorcerer. <laughs> yeah. I, like, again, the, the just the TIE fighters showing up where you're all like baby Anakin just being like, woo, woo, or like whatever, just like cheering for him. That shit's so good. The amazing Tarantino scene. Like, you know that Mandalorian's not going to die. Like, or like until he has to die at the end of the series or whatever. But it still creates like plausible anxiety about his safety. And seeing him completely out of his element and not confident. And Bill Bart, uh, or Bill Burr just like. Not Bill Barr. Sorry, sorry, you're right, you're right, different guy. But Bill Burr just being like, oh, sorry, you know, he's ever since he he lost compression and him just like perfectly being like, uh, and then like him being like, what's your name, soldier? Like them treating him like an idiot was like hilarious. That guy was so good. In a lot of these scenes, or maybe just because I rewatched Inglorious Bastards recently, and so like it's the Tarantino tell where it's like, oh, they almost get away. And then one thing happens and they almost get away and they give one thing away, which like gets them fucked. And then it's a shootout to have it turn from where you're like, okay, they just have to get through this drink conversation without getting caught. And then you're realizing, oh no, Bill Mayfeld, you're, you are now the, like you're about to do something. And even when Din like looks over and like gives him the don't do this thing, you're like, uh oh, it's like fucking go time, and man, now you know why he's so like weird. And then he pops him, and there's that poor, honestly, let's pour one out for the guy that the the sand trooper that's just holding a drink for the officer. That was hilarious. It. He literally like that's, hilarious. A, that's that's like a great like example. I think it's like Bathos, where you like sort of like relieve some of the tension of a of like a dramatic scene with some comedy, but that like didn't kill the moment like a lot of Marvel movies do now. Where it's just like this guy with a very honest reaction of like, oh shit. And then he just gets like wasted. Oh, so good. It was great. It was great. Yep. To the end, even Boba Fett stuff didn't bother me. Honestly, so freaking good. And I don't want them to tie it to Rise of Skywalker, but there are a lot of implications on a deeper level that don't really matter to this episode enjoyment. But I figured you guys, we should talk about there's a secret facility on fucking Morak. They're mining stuff in secret. They talk about Operation Cinder, but then also imply that they're going to keep doing that. Like they're they're like going to continue to, de- to destabilize. Like we're, it's, we're getting yeah, it's like the first order. Yeah, I hope it's not. That's definitely what that was like. Uh, he was referring to the fact that like then they want the order. No, no, no. Like, no. The, the idea of like people wanting order versus thing. That's the. I don't think that that's. It can, and it, and it might if they're going along with it. But them calling it the remnant, I don't think, like, remember, the First Order fucks off. They're gone. So everybody else here is the remnant. So I do think they have an opportunity with Thrawn and the remnant to have two separate, like, offshoots of the Empire. I think you're right. I mean, I think it's possible, but I think it's it's all going to That's end. what Thrawn's fleet was in the uh, uh, original books, is he was an Imperial remnant. Yeah, he was like the warlord. And I hope that they go in that direction. And this idea of them running, because they've done a lot more dialogue with the people in this show than in any of the sequel trilogy about like what they're doing in between and like how they're a credible threat and why people might want that. Like they're making a, a sort of strong argument, except for that you know they're the ones that are causing all the problem. Where they're like, look, we bring order. 
That's like we're not we're not the empire's yeah, it's like mission. It's like the propaganda version of the empire's purpose. Yeah, yeah, they're not lying about like they're not like hey we want sunshine and roses. Their whole thing is like we're gonna f- bring and what they mean is we're gonna force order on people. This is just another episode that like a sells it because of the killer acting from Joe Chill and <laughs> the implications of a secret like imperial remnant base. Yeah, I look. I'm I'm there. I mean, I'm ready. I'm I'm hype. This this episode leaves me excited. I do hope Mayfeld comes back. How many are left? Uh, one more in this episode. I I really hope that he becomes a because we could talk about they've announced a bunch of new Star Wars shows. I hope that he becomes back as a regular or co lead of the Marshals of the New Republic. I I think that we know Cara Dune's going to be in that, but I do think that I don't think that she's like strong enough to lead a show. And I think that the two of them together. Was was cute, like watching them like fight and stuff. And his whole bit with her at the right before he gets in the ship was like, you know, I really wish you're coming along with us because boy, you are like a lap. Like his whole like, it's the same kind of thing that he does with Mando, like the back and forth, except that it would be even better with her because like they're actually opposite sides of a conflict versus like the Mandalorians and the Empire aren't as famously opposite as like the rebellion and the, the rebels. Thing. Yeah. So there is just like great. There's just like great chemistry potential for the two of them to lead a show. Also Mayfeld is officially like Brooklyn, uh, Sinjir, right? That's, that's like, that's like kind of what we got. Yeah. Give me like a four issue, like nice clean comic by like a celeb creator. I'll take that Mayfeld. All right. Let's, we, we, I gotta, I gotta ask you this. One thing you love, but one thing you did not like from this episode, Davis. I always go first. Somebody else go first. I got to think of something I don't like. All right, Alex. One thing I loved. Um, I just loved like the acknowledgement of like 70s and 80s film tradition in like modern stuff. I love that it like resonates with people. If you want to go see a good movie, watch Sorcerer by William Friedkin. It's fucking great. Something that I didn't like, I kind of said it already, but. I thought the end was a little corny and unbelievable, but I I'm not mad at it. I just thought it was like if I'm if I'm going to tell you one thing about the script, I thought was a little weak. It was just that one line. Yeah, uh, I I have to agree. I think the weakest part of the entire episode was the last like minute, uh, where they tried to do a taken thing. I was like, eh, okay, but uh, everything else, dope, loved it. I will say this: my brand new favorite thing. Just learned this a few minutes ago. Uh, our dear friend Richard Brake, aka Joe Chill was the villain in the Muse music video for Knights of Cydonia. Oh, my I God. I love that right. I know that now. Yes. I love that I know that. So I'm so thrilled by that. And that, I'll say, is my favorite thing. <laughs> my favorite thing is I finally have this kind of douchey, but because I love everything in the episode. But I now have, like, an example of what I have been trying to tell you that I think that this show needs to be. My frustrations with, like, I've accepted that we're not getting, like, a serialized show but in previous episodes, how I feel like if they're going to do the adventure thing, the things that they need to do to make it stand out. And I now like this episode finally like did all of those things. And so it's now like a good example, compare and contrast future outings like this. But that's just because I loved everything else. So I can't just pick one thing. I don't know that I honestly disliked anything. Like I don't have uh, like I will. I'll, I'll agree that like Damn. that the cheesiest line 
the ending is like the is probably the weakest part to me because it like reminds me of Moth Gideon and tied it back to like where we left off with him, which I didn't think was particularly strong. And it's like a little bit it's a little bit weird, but he would never do that because the rest of it, like we talked about, like is so strong that I was like, you know what? I'm going to like get hype about this. And also I love Taken. So it is that. But you're right. Nothing about the Mandalorian like really says that he's the kind of guy that's like hit record. I got to clap back. But if that's the if that's the weakest part of this episode, then we're in like we're in good. We're in good hands. That's all state stand. Well, that's it for us. Um, I think I don't know if we want to, but maybe if there's enough feedback uh, doing a like discussion of the new shows but we don't know anything yet i will I, say dude i would love to do just like a breakdown episode of that but yeah i am ultra hype on the idea of a high republic mystery i, th- I think that sounds awesome like in rogue squadron like there's a lot of great things coming and i'm very excited but also a lot of it is we know the director and that's it right so i don't you know i want to know more about the lando but they don't they don't even have donald glover confirmed so who knows it never stopped us in the past you, you're right about that. Well, let us know what you want, and we will uh, get on that. But that was Mandalorian Chapter 15. I'm hype as hell for what comes next. Hopefully, it's great. Is The last episode is the next one, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. According, yeah. The finale. Damn. Okay. Well, we'll see. And uh, we'll see you all after Davis says the thing he says. Remember, <laughs> folks, keep your friends close. And make sure that you comply with your prison droid's orders within the next three seconds, or he will shock you with that cool-looking shock stick. <laughs> I love that you went up, uh, you elongated the ing syllable. <laughs>